Hey, welcome to Radicalized, where truth survives and we got your back. I'm Heidi Kuda. I'm here with Jim Stewartson, High Fidelity, Sean Connor. Uh, we are, uh, I am here with my co-hosts who are true warriors in the disinformation battlefield. How serious are they? Well, Sean has COVID, as you can see, because of the uh, germs that are germinating on the screen right there. He is such a rock star that he's like on day number Thank two, you, uh, yeah. but he is still producing the show because that's how much it means to us to get this information to you. So right. uh, word up to Sean. We love you, man. Uh, Thank you, buddy. I'm gonna hide. I'll be out hiding <laughs> off the screen most of the show, so I don't call for you guys or anything else. But, uh, if you see well, me, we don't the, mind, yeah, I'm we don't not mind a, seeing your face. I'm not um, a cat. This is me. Yeah. We love you, truly, right, and we are very, very um, excited that you are uh, such a warrior that you can continue to make sure this show happens uh, through a global pandemic that has made its way into your household. So we love you. We love you. Um, Likewise. Without... We've got a great show, guys. I'll be out. I'll see you at the end, but I'll be producing you guys. Right so, on, Jim. man. As long as, long as, uh, as long as we get all the way to Digital Descent. Um, <laughs> So this show is incredibly important. All our shows, I think, are very important because we bring the best guests from around the world to tell you what's happening in the information space. And also my co-hosts are very knowledgeable as well. Um, but we're going to just jump right in today because we have a super packed show. And the main thing I want to get to is that we have a couple brilliant special guests at the very top who are OSINT researchers and investigators, very influential. Brent Allpress coming all the way in from Australia. And hey, my friend, woo! And we also have Chris uh, Vickery, who is coming in all the way from NorCal. I love you, man. The reason these two guys are joining us is because uh, my partners and I, one partner in particular, Jim Stewartson, uh, is getting the uh, same day different troll, you know, blue ops uh, stalking happening to him. It's knocked him off Twitter a third time, but both Brent and Chris see the game, know what it is, and I'd love both of you to uh, weigh in, starting with Chris, on uh, not only why you decided to speak out on Twitter and on our show after, after you saw what was happening, but what your observations are. You said I go first, right? Yeah, that's right, Chris. <laughs> I didn't want to jump in uh, out of turn, but yeah, uh, the, the thing that really stood out to me uh, was when I saw Jim's blog post that somebody had linked to on Twitter, because right now Jim can't post on Twitter, and he listed on a bullet point list uh, 10 different types of troll campaigns that have been launched against him that are different plays in like a, an information war playbook, like a character assassination, you know, pick one of these plays, run it, then grab the next team grabs one, then runs it, the next team grabs it, like a play in, in, in football. You know, one is, a, one is a rushing play, one's a passing play, one's a Hail Mary. And this, about nine of the ten ones that, that he listed there are exact same things that have been tried against me, uh, not ultimately successfully in the past, but I see the same things happening over and over to other people. And the common pattern is that we're all people that are vocally against the authoritarian fascist takeover of America. Uh, we, we happen to be people that know about the history of America. We understand what is wrong to do to others and what will lead to... Uh, basically a, a, a terrible dystopian future. 
And we all seem to be targets of these same plays over and over and over again. And that really struck a chord with me that, oh, my God, it, it felt out of the blue when these things were being tried against me. But seeing it happen to someone else, it's the same thing over and over again. Well, thank you so much for that, Chris, because it happened to me in 2018. My life was blown up both online and offline, and I find it very fascinating and very reassuring in a way that one of the same core blue op uh, accounts that went after me in 2018 and my candidate at the time that I was working with on a congressional campaign to get rid of Dana Rohrabacher also jumped into the fray with Jim. So I think it's very interesting that these recurring players not only still have their blue check marks on Twitter, but are still running the same plays that they did against me uh, four years ago. Well, the, the thing about the, the blue check mark on Twitter thing is people need to kind of separate the idea that that means an endorsement from Twitter. The only thing a blue check mark means is you submitted a copy of your passport, your driver's license, your utility bill to Twitter, and they verified that you are who you say you are. It doesn't mean that they like what you say. It doesn't mean that what you're saying has any value to it. It just means that you went through their process and they, they verified that the person you are claiming to be is who you are. That's all it really means. Yep. Right on. And Brent, what is your assessment of what you see happening? And, and again, on behalf of Jim and the team, thank you so much for sticking your neck out to jump into the thread uh, that we uh, showed about what happened to Jim on the third ban and give your assessment of the uh, work that Jim has been doing to show and highlight what, a, uh, what Mike Flynn is up to. Well, I, I, I'd sort of... Uh, uh confirm everything Chris has said. I watched Chris's account be attacked um, in a very concerted way and reported um, some of the, more, the most troubling instances of that uh, at the time. And, um, and I also tracked Jim's account. There was a particular um, account run by Tony Schaffer, who's an associate of of uh, Mike and Joe Flynn, and um, he ran an account called TS, well, uh, at T, at T Spooky. So you know, that's his um, claim to fame. Um, presumably X Intel. The um, but that account, I just forensically went through instances where that account had attacked Jim. Jim's account provoked him. Um, uh, went through a series of um, character attacks or um, sought to provoke a response or uh, a, a, sort of, a, a sort of finesse trolling. Um, and then I went through and, and tracked that account, running a pattern of that, and then basically celebrating instances. The account said, I'm seeking to, to, to get five, five accounts banned today. You know, so that was the sort of, and then he and Joe Flynn were both uh, celebrating that Jim's account was knocked out in the instance prior to this one. So I reported Tony Schaffer's account at T.S. Spooky and he's gone. He's off Twitter. Um, they banned him for, uh, specifically for um, violating rules against abuse and harassment. And he's, his Which account is what is I got. What I got banned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then well, this first, is the, that's that's the projection. That's that's the projection irony of this. Of but he is yeah, he yeah. has gone. So he's he's moved off to another platform. Of he's I don't I think in his case, 
um, he won't be. I wasn't the only person who reported him, but I, <laughs> I went out. Well, mm. what I just did was just very. There were very, very clear instances of of um, of targeted abuse, which they were had enough hubris and uh, to be blatant about. They were celebrating it. So, um, but yeah. I, what 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 I'd like to know would be whether there's some sort of infrastructure underneath that, the equivalent of a bot farm or or coordinated accounts that are then making multiple complaints, because I think that's how. Um, well, they're, they're running this as through a kind of equivalent of an, the the um, the the St. Petersburg based IRA yes. kind of uh, technique of 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 multiple controlled accounts or coordinated accounts. You yeah. then all pile pile in with complaints, and then you you hit a kind of threshold, and they just pull. So, it so the interesting thing is that the account that Heidi was talking about, and and my most dedicated. <laughs> A, a abuser um, actually collaborated who, who LARPs is a leftist collaborated with Tony Schaefer in order to get me suspended and bragged about it right yeah so you have you have Tony Schaefer who's Bernie Carrick and Rudy Julian like the worst like you know um, collaborating with somebody who LARPs as a resistor um, yeah. and it's really important that people understand like the what they have on the front like what's in their profile means nothing yeah. what matters is what do they do what do they say right. are they attacking people like are they actually giving information out or are they just targeting others right um is mm. there anything productive or valuable about their account beyond the fact that they're just they're, they just want to take other people down and and it's just i think it's a, a critical thing for people to understand um you gotta look past the the veneer and if somebody's like commenting on another thread you know about somebody there's a reason for that you know in a very mm. few cases it's like legitimate authentic concern in almost every other case, it's people, you know, intentionally trying to, um, you know, hurt others. Well, I think yeah. it's important to note that we have people from all around the world documenting the amount of effort and time that is spent on uh, on um, harassing uh, and basically libeling, you know, uh, and, and character assassination of Jim Stewartson. Uh, and of course, it's spilling over onto me. I, I'm used to it. I've been there before. We know it's because we do good work. But I think that it's um, it's interesting to me that in 2022, that there could still be a few people out there who don't get what this game is. It's so no, obvious to me. I think they get it is the thing. I think they know exactly what they're doing. Um, well, for example, uh, we have no. friends who got tripped up on it. Who, no, that's true. Who, who were like, is Jim a felon? No, Jim is not a felon. That's what this operation is <laughs> yeah. saying. Is Jim yeah. really not who he appears to be? Actually, he's really who he appears to be. Uh, somebody who is trying to prevent America from being a, a hellscape. Uh, and, you know, since Brent and Chris... Um, have seen it, you know, now in real time and also seen it historically in the last five years ongoing, what would you want to tell people who are still sort of unfamiliar uh, with this type of activity? 
Well, you have to uh, push back by reporting instances of abuse and harassment. And so I think that's it takes a little bit of time. Um, if you go forensically back through accounts, there'll be a pattern. And it takes, and it just, so if you see it, pursue it. Well, on, well, a platform, on a platform like this, anyway, more, more generally, I just, I just think um, you have to be very um, cautious about um, any reputational attacks that have, you know, given the, um, um, you know, the, it's it's basically mud sticks and and if they throw it out there into into a public discourse that's sort of barely moderated then um you know then uh the opportunity for disinformation is heightened so you don't want to be a party to that you don't want to amplify it yeah. so um i i sort of tend to stick with um with um um you know ver verifiable and you know documented and reliable sourcing and you know yes Steer clear of steer clear of the kind of the, the, what, the sort what of this one account is doing. Brent is they are making all these accusations. They are saying all these things. They are dropping all these negative comments. Yeah, and then they'll then they'll lock their tweets. They'll go back a few weeks or so. They'll yeah. delete all the negative comments about in this instance yeah. Jim, right? And they'll wipe out that forensic evidence. So how do you mm -hmm. get Twitter to produce that as like, um, you know, there, there are ways through their API in which you can document an account's tweets. Mm -hmm. Well, but, but, but yeah. note that it doesn't <laughs> yes, matter true. if they go delete them all because <laughs> Whoops. we already yeah. have people who prior to the lockdown and prior to the, the deletes are documenting all of it. So it doesn't matter if they do a tweet wipe because we do have the evidence but I understand uh, your point. It's it's a way for them to sort of try the, to kind the, of CYA. The thing is, yeah. um, these these are these are professionals. They know exactly what they're doing, and they know how to um, get around Twitter TOS, right? So there the there's no and given tweet right that you know somebody at Twitter is going to go, oh my god, I have to ban this account. Yeah. The issue is there's tens of thousands of these tens of thousands like i've got a, i've got a a large room where all these feeds come in and it is absolutely crazy like tens of thousands of tweets about me personally taking me down about complete bullshit right and and what's interesting about what jim also just said is it's the same handful of accounts so i find it quite fascinating and quite telling that an account with a blue check with 275,000 followers or 90,000 followers, when they go after Jim, they get four likes, two retweets. Now these are supposed to be big deal accounts. So to me it says you're talking within your community, but it does still, I think where we have not caught up with uh, the online world is it does still have real world ramifications. I'm used to just, it. Just because they don't like it. What's important here, I just want to say, sorry to interrupt, Heidi, but no, just good. because they don't like or retweet it, that, that doesn't mean anything. Like, what matters is who saw it, how many people yeah. saw it, right? Mm -hmm. How many people have seen that lie? So if there's, you know, let, let's say 50,000 tweets in the last, you know, several months about me personally, how many views did each one of those tweets have? 
How many? Yeah. So you know, how many fucking thousands of impressions, right. wrong impressions, have people gotten about me personally? That's I what it's say, about. And Twitter doesn't have a way to, to say, to say, hey, look, look at this like soup of shitheads who are just yeah. lying about me all day. Why don't you do something about it? Because well, know, the, know best, the best the vaccination for this type of thing, a way to inoculate the public, is to get people to do an exercise an exercise where they put themselves in the attacker's mindset and say, mm. hey, if I, you know, maybe maybe somebody could make a, a, a game or something online that is like, pretend that you're a, a, a hardcore bad guy troll person. You've got an army of bots in this little fake game environment. How would you go about trying to destroy someone's reputation? What would you say about them? What would you do? What could you do if you had 10,000 accounts on a social networking platform and get people in the mindset of, Oh my God, that is what somebody could do if they had a bunch of fake accounts. What could you say about somebody? Even if it wasn't true, what would the impact then be? If I sent emails to every person that person is connected to on LinkedIn or plastered their workplace HR right. department with complaints, or if I called their family members or got my followers to call their family members, what yeah. could you do? And when you get into the attacker mindset and you realize what's possible, you see through the, the curtain. You're you're at you're at the Wizard of Oz and you're calling you're calling BS on on his big projection and seeing through it and you're now a little bit more immune to the the effects of those campaigns. Well, I, I will say the one thing I, to to both your points when it was run against me in 2018, there was a lot more interaction and I was devastated because I had no framework and I didn't know fully what was happening, but I will say that the candidate and team that I was working with stuck by me uh, staunchly and didn't waver, and that really helped me get through it and a few of my friends on Twitter. I had like two friends left after my reputation was blasted with malinformation. So we do have a different era where there is mm -hmm. more awareness, but it is still a devastating thing when it happens. Well, and they're getting I, better I, at it, though. Yes, the they're thing. getting better at it. Um, but but I would like to um, have both Brent and Chris before they uh, before they leave us. A give advice to Jim, and B give advice to uh, anybody from Twitter that is actually listening and actually gives a shit about how people are hurt on their platform. I I think one key 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 thing to to reinforces why would they go after Jim and the key reason that I can see for someone very closely associated with the, the ex-general Mike Flynn I should prefer to call him is that um uh that Jim has really ruined Mike Flynn's chances of taking on a political career by outing the fact that he um that he plagiarized a uh, theosophical New Age, far-right guru who was apocalyptic. He edited out the words Archangel Michael from the prayer, but then on, um, on, on another platform, in order to defend himself, he, he said he identified with the prayer because it was about St. Michael, that his namesake. So um, that, 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 that's, that's, that, has, that, that find by Jim is... It's very, very damaging to Mike Flynn because it completely dropped the mask on him. Um, so that whole psyops, the, the positioning himself as a Christian leader, 
positioning himself as someone who's going to who who advocates for one nation, one church, one leader, and then using uh, shortly after that a um, a, a cultic um, uh, a prayer um, from a from a um, extremist cult leader from the eighties. Um, uh, and repositioning that as a form of Christian nationalism uh, for which he is the leader. I mean, right. that's the thing that he was attempting to do. He was using cultic material to create a cult. That's right. And he got he got caught. That's he got right. caught really badly because it was really bloody sloppy of him. And, you know, so how do you start a cult? Well, I'll just use cultic material over here. Here's, some, here's something I've prepared earlier. I'm going to take out... I'm going to take out the bits that, that I like as a narcissist because they refer to me, and I'm going to say, so make that a bit more generalised, um, and then admit um, and in self-defence that actually I really like that prayer because it actually is about my namesake. Um, so he's stuffed in terms of his ongoing um, religious um, um, credentials because conservative, because the, the, the kind of constituency is conservative Catholics and conservative evangelicals, and they draw the line at at um, heresy, <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah, they do. You know, that's one of those little kind of. There's a few lines there, and that's one of them. Uh, yeah. He got bad, he got badly caught out, um, and um, and all, the other thing is that he was using cultic practices from that church. So the sort of the sort of the delivery, the kind of call and response, the sort of. So I went through as Jim had done. I followed in his footsteps in terms of going through because I wasn't aware of um, Elizabeth Clear Prophet um, particularly until um, Jim made that connection. But there's very clearly a kind of cultic kind of delivery. There's a kind of mesmerising focus on the patterning of words, the kind of usage of language, the kind of provocations, the um, the kind of claims to authority. And in her case, this sort of really strange kind of mesmeric kind of chanting they do of I am, I am, I am Michael, 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 Michael. Now, that must have really attracted Michael Flynn because there's a lot of Michaeling in that in that I am movement. <laughs> <laughs> you go, I am Michael. Dude, you know? dude. Yeah, I am Although Michael, I, would, I would like to point out, for, I would like, Brent, Brent, you, you heard it here first, kids. If you're going to try to overthrow the American government, don't blaspheme. That's bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, well, not only yeah. did Jim find that, but he also has been working on diligently on exposing and, and has for 18 months because of Beautiful. his um, unique knowledge on uh, augmented reality gaming uh, right. that there is, you know, uh, Michael Flynn behind so much of the, um, you know, just the um, radicalizing of our folks through these cult like game like you know disinformation ops and that ran counter to what we now believe and i've come to believe thanks to the work of my colleagues uh may be a pretty obvious controlled opposition to try to dial down mike flynn's involvement and others involvement and that's something that will still be revealed but it does seem likely that if they're going to target jim in the way they are that it might be that he gummed up the works on a narrative that might have been pre-approved and pre-scripted by some of these folks. Well, I think one of the things about QAnon is that once you create a beast like that, you can't control it. And so that thing can eat itself, you know, because you, what they've been doing is radicalizing people who are high on conscientiousness and high on neurosis on the ocean spectrum. And often 
you know, maybe a little less stable. And, um, and, and um, uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, be careful what you wish for. If you want to create a cult, you know, that can go all sorts of dangerous ways. Right. Um, so, so I think there's, there's, there's a, I don't know that they have full control over the thing that they've created. Um, there are certainly a few odd events there with yoga bums um, at, 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 um, at um, you know, doing road blockages that, you know, really seem to kind of go off way off to the way off to the yeah. far left, right kind of extreme. There's very odd things occur. There. Everyone's going, what's going on there? So, you know, I think, I think they lost control of what they created to a certain degree. But as, a, but as researchers, which we all are in our various ways, like I'm not really worried about what you're doing over there because I'm focusing on this. So I'm not going to come at you sideways and try to discredit you, your family, your whatever, yeah. your life, your work, because I don't have time because I'm too busy doing the work to try to expose all the fuckery that's trying to take out our democracy. So to Chris's point of getting in the head of the people that are running these plays to uh, discredit people. If they were legitimately doing the work, they would not have time to worry about what Jim or Hi-Fi or Brandt yeah. or Chris or Heidi's doing. I'm, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the thing, right? <clears throat> none of them are attacking what I said. And none of them are attacking my actual, the actual, you know, evidence no. that well, I Well, they don't want to draw attention to it. What they right? They are they are busy attacking me personally. Yeah, and it's it, it. I'm I'm a difficult target, and I knew because you know I've done some stuff, and I you know I'm not a fucking criminal. I have no criminal record at all. I am who I am. I'm just a dude, right? And so I figured, okay, you know, they they can do this, but there there's nothing actually that they have on me. Like I, there's nothing there. And right. so it, it made it it made it challenging for them to to do, but they've figured it out. They've out of forty five thousand wow. tweets, they've taken a couple of mistakes, which I corrected immediately, and like say that you know means I'm some sort of misinformation you know distributor when wow. the, when I've exposed more disinformation. You know the saddest the saddest part then, is that for them this ultimately the worst case scenario is it's it's practice for the team. They, yeah. they know that they're, they're going to need to be able to do this hardcore to real targets. So right. even if you're not anybody special, it's yeah. like a sports team that's practicing. Yeah. And yeah. They, they, they are risking nothing yeah. but staying, quote unquote, in shape, I guess, uh, by, by running this against somebody. Uh, and, and Heidi asked what is like the one lesson that, that I would want to give to the, the Twitter public. And that is the thing that I want to tell everybody about is think about social media uh, influencing people, uh, you know, the, the people that, that really are opinionated or put out things that, that might change your opinion or, or have a particular slant. Think of them like bartenders. The really, really powerful, bad, most damaging trolls are not the obvious ones that spew racism and, and horrible uh, misinformation. The most damaging ones are the ones that give you really, really sweet, good advice and are strong, good friends, except for maybe that 10 or 20% of the time when they slip in the, the, the alcohol, the, the poison. They, they give you a good tasting overall experience. You, they get buddy-buddy with you. You agree on a lot of things. And then they slide you the, the, the poison in that 10 or 20% of their comments. Those yeah. are the most damaging ones. Thank no, you I, wa I, wa I watched that happen to Chris on his account. 
and yeah. I was concerned that there were accounts that seemed to be favourable, but they were they were then adverse. And yeah. then I went back I went back through some of those accounts and tracked a pattern of of malicious behaviour. Um, so apparently, so they're basically the kind of accounts that are, as he describes, ninety percent sort of positive, and then because I did a few. You just, so one way to track some of these accounts is just if you do a, um, a, a, a search on Twitter for a sudden key um, malicious term or or so so some particularly if someone is trying to provoke somebody else um, over a particular issue and you see if there's any pattern of that so um, you put in the the, the the Twitter username and and take a term they've used in a malicious context and then see how many times they've used that because it's generally a pattern. And so, okay. uh, and so that's one of the, one of the ways in which um, I, uh, that was quite eye opening to me that there was a kind of um, uh, 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 a sort of psychological campaign that gets waged on, on individual accounts um, that uh, appear to be benign and then start to kind of uh, push and slide and provoke and, yeah. Um, and and there's a so that, that's if you're a user yourself. In terms of being influenced by things, I think um, uh, you know. I think you just have to be vigilant because it's a you know gossip is something that you know there was just the level, that's the level of kind of nonsense really that some of the stuff is. Um, if, if you say it, there's no authority particularly to anything on Twitter unless it's sort of backed up by evidence or reputation yeah. and so they'll go after reputation um, right. and, and so I think you have to take the stuff with a pinch of salt um, I yeah I take a long-term view with some some accounts that I trust or don't trust in any social media context um, um, I've made some misjudgments where I've thought we all have. We all you know because because I have a very high kind of you know I keep a high barrier up um, so you know that's uh, some and I and I've I've I haven't been attacked. Uh, I haven't been a target of attack so much um, recently. Um, more uh, attempts to to get information. You know, yes. friendly friendly inquiries that are actually just looking for intelligence. That would be a well, I want to just <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much for being here, and I just want to leave us with one Hannah Arendt quote. When you mm. can't attack somebody on the facts, you question their motives. And so what we're seeing is yeah. a lot of that sort of concern, trolling of questioning of motives. And I do ask our friends who have been our friends for a long time to stay with us. We're going to keep doing this work. Whether Jim does it on Twitter or Substack won't really matter. He already has hundreds of people following him on a Substack that he started like yesterday. So we're going to continue doing the work. We do hope to see him back on Twitter. Chris? I love you and Ruthie. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Brent, you know how I feel yeah. about you. When I saw the two of you out there swinging hard on behalf of, uh, you know, f helping, helping our, our, uh, you know, our gym here and, and, you know, us kind of fight back when we can't defend ourselves. It really meant a lot to me and to the guys personally. It meant, yeah. it meant everything to me. It really did. Thank you. That's guys. Cool. Is there any way in which, Jim, in which your, your Twitter archive can be made available via another medium if, it, if you aren't able to get back onto that platform? Um, I, I, I had a Twitter archive, uh, like, already, and, yeah, yeah, uh, right. but I hadn't downloaded it yet. 
and then right. I got suspended. So I couldn't download it because they won't let you download your archive after you get suspended. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we know where the pertinent stuff is and we will continue to expose oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, I have everything. It, it, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. you know. Yeah. There, are, there are firms Guys, that, thank you so that much I for can being point you here. to get that. Okay, thanks, so, so I say that again, Chris? There are firms that offer commercial services where what they do is they archive all social media and I can send you some names. They have all Fantastic. your Fantastic. Cool. That's great. That's thanks, good to man. know, actually. Thank you. That's great. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time to be here with us. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Wow, that was so great. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Okay, well, we have a huge show coming up. We actually have Craig Unger of American Compromat as our guest, and he's written five books on the GOP's assault uh, on democracy. And he I still has, can't believe Craig Unger is going to be on our show. He That's has amazing. been hyper- I know, right? It's yeah, so we don't want we don't want to wait make him wait too long, but he has been hyper focused on uh following the decades long um you know uh compromat uh related to Trump and Russia and and his book American Compromat is vital reading if anybody wants to understand what's happened it's to our country crazy. in the last few years. It's, it's so incredible. Crazy. He's like, incredible. Like you guys, like we had a fucking Russian asset in the White House, and yeah, and he was a. Uh, Everybody needs to read Unger. Just yeah. read his book. It's not. It's not. I mean, it's incredible research, but it's also right there. Like yeah, it, you know, he yeah. just put it together in a way that makes it super clear. Like, That's right. dude, has been a fucking Russian op since for forty years. Yes. So, like like the, the one thing I loved in your article about him, I'll shut up in a second, um, was that was that the the art the full page ads he did in in the New York Times, those were KJB ops. <laughs> I know active KGB. measures, bro. I KGB know. Measures. Was all super suspect. I know about all that shit, man. It's I like, know. You know, it's crazy. Anyway, I, I'm shut I, up I'm, now. I'm, I, I reread that article today. I did an interview with Craig for Byline Times. That's what Jim's referring to. And it's so dope. And I just retweeted it today. So anyone who follows me on Twitter can find it. Um, so I am really excited, though, about burning through some of this. Uh, thank you so much, Sean. That is the article right there. Um, it is, uh, it's incredible because it really follows the history. It shows when people got into America, what they, the deal they had to sign with the KGB to come here and how they then became handlers for people like Trump. And they, they just found people that looked like they might be good opportunity uh, for the Russians. And Trump was an easy mark because he was always broke. He was always compromised. He always had the sexual weirdness. And so we're gonna get into that with Craig and I'm so excited. Uh, but now let's kind of breeze through some of our, I, I don't want to short shrift the important work that we do here every week with Hi-Fi bringing the news and Jim uh, talking about Hellscape. It's going to be a very special Hellscape today, a very personal one. Um, but but before you jump into word, word phrase of the week, um, I want to address one thing for me. Uh, my reputation is once again being smeared with an old-timey malinformation campaign. Yes, I worked at Fox 11 News for the better part of 15 years. And yes, there are articles of mine that ran in right-wing rags at the time. 
They just got picked up by various uh, fiscal publications. And yes, I talk about it in my book, It's Complicated, which you can buy for $15 on my coffee link. So if you want to know about my sordid history, go there. Um, I think that it's quite telling that these narratives keep getting recycled. And really all that matters to me is the work and my children's love and the love of my team. So that's really all I have to say about that. When you see people trying to make me look like a boogeyman, you know, I won't pass any purity tests and I'm perfectly fine with that because what a dreary, boring life it would be to spring out of the womb, you know, perfect to uh, pass, you know, whatever fucking test people want to put you through. Um, Anybody coming after Heidi, man, you just, just come on. She's a nice fucked. one. Like, you gotta be fucking what the kidding. hell? You, do you realize how stupid and horrible you look going after Heidi? For God's sake, she's yeah. the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life. It's you know, crazy. It's, it's just fucking they, crazy. They never say she wrote a book with Ice-T, Tupac's Bodyguard on Sublime, all my punk rock stuff, my LA Times stuff. It's like, oh... Uh, public policy ran something she did with a pissed off cop. Well, yeah, that's true. I did. So fucking what? What did I do after November 8th of 2016? That's all I give a shit about. And you know what? If you actually look it up, you'll see what I was doing September of 2016, which was writing and making myself very unpopular because I knew Trump was a fraud and I started exposing him as soon as I realized he was going to win. That's a story for another day. But, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago, like, you know, you can't make anybody like you, and I don't care. I just keep doing the work. I'm just glad, like I said, my kids like me, you guys like me, I like you, and that's what matters. Hi-Fi. Every time they try to take us out, they show a tweet of yours on a banned account where you were going to use a scalpel. Now, I know that you're not a doctor, uh, but <laughs> what, just give us 30 seconds on that because I don't want to spend 30 seconds. Time. It's, it's very obvious. All right. Um... So listen, I was I was back on something awful in the day when I was in my early twenties, and I was on 4chan in B, uh, whack B, right? Uh, where the bros we we trolled the living crap out of each other. We desensitized ourselves. We were awful to each other. We were horrible. I then went to Google Plus. I met a, a, a troll crew there from a bunch of people who left 4chan when all the pedophiles and Nazis showed up. Odd that they showed up at the same time. But anyway. Um, and, and, you know, we used our powers for good to troll. We trolled white supremacists. Uh, we actually catfished a white supremacist once to sending us a picture of him and a teddy with a stuffed animal. Yeah. Good work. Uh, yeah. Man. So I, I'm a troll. So when I, when I realized, you know, all I wanted was the Rittenhouse fundraiser taken down. I started going into the people behind it because they wouldn't take it down. I started looking at it more and more and more. It looked more jacked up and more jacked up. And while this is occurring and while I'm posting about this stuff on Twitter, I start getting attacked by trolls. Mm -hmm. And I figure out what's going on. Holy shit. I'm being attacked in a concerted effort right. by, by a troll crew, by multiple troll crews at this point. Right. And so I did what came naturally. I trolled back. Yeah, you trolled hard. You were, you were. And I am scarier and darker than. <laughs> I, I, well, sorry, I've, I've been doing it longer. Right. Uh, I, I'm, here's I'm the pro. thing I don't give a sheet. What I care about is the work that you do and what you bring to this show. And that's what I care about with Jim. And that's what I care about with Sean. And yes, you know, blanket apologies to anybody we inadvertently offended along the way. And uh, everyone else just fuck all the way off because we're trying yeah, that, to do the work now. Listen, listen up. 
My friend, High Fidelity here, is the most generous human being in the world. Like, the kindest person. Like, not the nicest person by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> He's not fucking nice not at nice. all. I'm, I'm not so nice, but, sorry. But, but, but kind, caring, empathetic, somebody who would give his fucking shirt off his back um, and has, um, you know, give me a fucking break. All the people out there, especially the one who keeps posting that tweet, are you kidding me? After, like, well, I, I find it trolling funny. for your entire career and, and spending the last three weeks literally dedicated to tearing me down. You're gonna, you're gonna bring up a fucking tweet, like, from a year ago when he was being trolled by the same crew that you're running now. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Fuck off. Well, right, I gotta say. I don't know where I would have been the last six months if it wasn't for hi-fi. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people who can say that. Yeah. And and, and he yeah. does not. Yeah. I found out about shit he was doing for me from other people. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't need to talk about the shit I do. I just do it. Well, the other go. thing is that when I asked Jim, you know, uh, if I could bring hi-fi into this crew, Jim's first words were, he's like the most loyal person. And when you're going to battle, you look for some qualities. Yeah, we all, we're all smart, good researchers. We are, we are what we are. But loyalty, kindness, big hearts, having each other's back, that's very meaningful. Um, and before and this- caring. Time, yeah, caring. right? It, yeah. It's just caring in general, right? Like giving a shit about our country. Giving a shit about the the feel the well being of other human beings, giving a shit about about how your actions affect other human beings. If you are spending all day long tearing somebody down, you are a sociopath. Yeah. There's no other way for you to be that way, yeah. right? All you're doing is intentionally harming somebody. Yeah. Inauthentically, that means you're a sociopath fucking yeah. knock it off it's not, well, it's not I, I, I will difficult. say this though because what what the next accusation is going to be made is that oh josh is just a loyal dog right no i'm not blindly oh loyal <laughs> i will call people on their bullshit i don't care who you are yeah I, I will i call myself on my bullshit i call other people on their bullshit i'm not blindly loyal no, but when no. i know someone is speaking truth when i know someone is right when what they say makes sense when they have data to back up what they say, I'm cool with that. Yeah, uh, Sean just sent a note because we're going to talk a little bit about trauma later. Uh, some people may be dealing with their their trauma in their own special way, but so so the ringleaders clearly again, if they're not getting paychecks, they should be because why would they spend all their waking hours trying to take down people who are actually doing excellent work? Speaking of excellent work, we want to. Before we bring Craig Unger and I want to spend 15, 20 minutes just like going through our news. So let's let's uh, get right to it. Word phrase of the week. Word phrase of the week. Word phrase of the week. And I wanted to do this because Craig Unger is here. Is fascist theocracy, fascist theocracy or theocratic fascist? Okay. And what does that mean? That means a person or group of individuals who think that their religion should be the number one religion, uh, the basis for law in a country. Uh, you can see this in examples of, you know, groups like the BJP in India. You can see this in ISIS and the Islamic Caliphate. And currently you can see it in people inside the GOP. And okay. I also wanted to, you know, that's a quick version. 
I think Frank Zappa explains it better. So, Sean, if you could roll that clip for me. Yeah, let's do some quick hits. Well, I said I agree with Mr. Zappa that the first line of defense and responsibility is the parents. But what I do not agree with is that the parents have to stand alone, and we are not entitled to call upon our government to help us in the fight well, against now, this wait kind a of filth. What, what is, I mean, I, I what government, you wait a minute, John, what government, government censor, yeah. what government censor is going to decide for you? It's not... Tom, I've heard you say repeatedly on this show that we are our government, that we're allowed to call on our government. Well, you have to things. have a man who is the censor or a woman. Well, well, the way, they what? have to decide this Tom. often can hear and this That's often right. cannot hear. Tom, it would work the way the uh, implementation of any law works. You pass a law, it has words in it, and then the uh, elected representatives of the people try their best to apply it. It's the way you do it with everything else. Will they apply it perfectly? No. But we're entitled to use the force of our civil government uh, to help protect our families. How could you oppose that? Is, does like the government you. have any purpose, Frank? Yeah, it has what? a number of purposes. What is it? Name I'm more. not going to give you a civics lesson here, but yeah. I'll tell you one thing. We must not see eye to eye on the idea of a government that must forbid things in order to really? protect Really? What is the government's role? You've told me several times how what about it do. How about national defense? Yeah, I consider sure this things. national defense, pal. Our families are under attack from people like you with these lyrics. John, you don't have to buy them. Could I make a statement sure. about national defense? Yeah. The biggest threat to America today is not communism. It's moving America toward a fascist theocracy. And everything that's happened during the Reagan administration is steering us right down that pipe. Oh, oh Mr. No. Mr. Zappa, do you? Yes, do you, Mr. Zappa. Do you I really think? I mean, that's I really kidding. think that. All kidding. I, I love Fucking Frank amazing. Zappa. I that, love that's Frank. a great interview on uh, fascist theocracy with Frank Zappa. And, and yeah, he really he really breaks it down. Um, and and what we're seeing right now is an attempt to slide America into a fascist theocracy. Yeah, so it's, it's part of a three pronged plan, which we're going to talk more about with Craig Unger. So what's next? Yes. All right. So uh, next, we're going to do why it matters. So Great. Sean, can you play me into why it matters? All right, so first we're going to talk about what a week. Hey, this has been a great week if you are a fan of democracy, all right? Uh, some of the things that happened. Prince Andrew was stripped of uh, all of his military rankings and his titles by the British monarchy. Why is that important? Because Prince Andrew knows something about Jeffrey Epstein, and Jeffrey Epstein is still, even though he's dead, tied into everything we're dealing with right now. Uh, the next thing is Domestic Terrorism Task Force. Uh, the Department of Justice is starting a new Domestic ta uh, Terrorism Task Force. That's awesome because, as we know, a lot of what we're dealing with is domestic terrorism. Uh, OAN was dropped by DirecTV. Hooray. Uh, OAN got a lot of its revenue uh, from DirecTV. And the fact that they were dropped means they'll probably go away. So that's one less disinformation pipeline into the American minds. Awesome. And then the final thing that I really do want to discuss quite a bit is Stuart Rhodes was arrested and charged with seditious conspiracy along with 10 other Oath Keepers. Stuart Rhodes, Yale Law graduate Stuart Rhodes. Hold on. I thought the... Colleges were uh, liberal bastions of eliteness. What the hell? Why is a Yale Law graduate trying to overthrow our country? Yeah. Jim? 
Um, well, because so what? That he's a fucking racist, proud boy, you know, Nazi piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, that would explain it. Let's let's be clear. Uh, anyway, the, uh, I was looking deeply into the Oath Keepers before I got nuked um, uh, and found uh, an old Joe Flynn tweet uh, from January 5th, January 5th, uh, 2021, of Mike Flynn providing 100 grand to Code of Vets. Code of Vets is a front for the Oath Keepers. That's all it is. It's just fucking Oath Keepers. Front and they, they, you know, these donations that they send to these guys is to go weaponize them so that they will do shit like, you know, participate in the insurrection of the Capitol. So, um, you know, fucking like the Flynn's were paying the Oath Keepers. They did it through a front called Code of Vets, but on the day before the insurrection. And, you know, again, by a fucking Twitter account, I could show it to you. Well, well, one of the things I have learned is soldiers do need to be paid. I mean, if you want yeah. them to fight, you have to pay them. Well, I do want to point something out, right. though. Um, Jim's Substack, which I read because I get all the alerts, and so do hundreds of other people who just signed up for it. It's kind of nice in a way. I know this sounds like lipstick on a pig, but it's really not. It's kind of nice to have you get a little bit more breathing room to articulate the context to some of this stuff. So I do want you back on Twitter, but I'm very my context. Grateful. My context right now is just being very pissed off at a bunch of <laughs> idiots. Yeah, and, but and, and because I don't have to worry about Twitter's TOS. And by yeah. the way, I, I work my ass off to not break any Twitter rules. I know yeah. those fucking rules upside down. And, there's, and I didn't. I did shout not break the rules because um, I put too much fucking investment into it. So, you know. I just want to shout out to Rosanna Arquette and to Stella Parton and to uh, Neil um, Gaiman. And John Cooper wow. and our friends who retweeted the thread that really explains all three of these with documentations and receipts. Um, I just want to say thank you because you guys putting your thumb on the scale on behalf of Jim and this crew and the wrongness of all of this is very, very meaningful. And, uh, you know, and cake, you know what I'm saying? Like cake is always showing up. <laughs> I couldn't I believe them. cake. I love that them. shit. I love cake. Them. Music is awesome. Dude. Um, I know. So I just, you know, it's beautiful. Um, and this, and just, 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 just the supporters. I made a round of phone calls to people who bought my book on Friday and I learned so much about what's happening in people's worlds and their lives and the, the children that they're worried about with uh, brainwashing. And um, there's a lot of love and support for you, Jim. You, they, each, each person I called said that if it hadn't been for finding you and seeing what was really happening, they would still be like, clutching their pillow at night. So I want you to know that your work is incredibly meaningful. And as you taught me, just keep going and don't stop. All right. Hi-fi. All right. The next one we're going to talk about is Pegasus and Papooses. Okay, let's do uh, it. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, first, what, what's a papusa? If you don't know, um, papusa. It's a yummy, yummy El Salvadorian treat. There you go. Yeah. And it, they are delicious. I yeah. highly suggest everyone try some. That's the best yeah. thing about being international is the food. Yeah. Right. Uh, but what it turns out is the El Salvador government may, maybe, have purchased Pegasus software from NSO Group as it was found on a number, I believe it was 30, journalist cell phones. 
now the government of El Salvador does uh, say, oh, no, 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 we never bought that. But Pegasus said, uh, NSO Group says, well, we only sell to governments and approved agencies. So how the hell did it end up there? That's a good question. The other thing I would like to point out about El Salvador is the president of El Salvador um, tried to make Bitcoin a national currency or is made it a national currency, which is failing miserably. And we all know where we and Dave Troy stand on crypto. It's a fascist scam. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's going to be so interesting when the pyramid scheme is revealed, um, you know, so. so uh, El Salvador uh, is, is a, has been a target for a long time. If you guys recall, it was yeah. it, the CIA infiltrated that shit. And um, by the way, um, uh, all the radicalization that's that that's going on now, you know, the it, it was happening in El Salvador in a yeah. big way. Uh, again, on my Twitter feed is a long thread going through a, an old CIA document from, um, you know, literal training of, um, you know, um, uh, Sandinistas uh, right. to to radicalize their followers right. on purpose I, I, in order to I've been create to El chaos. Salvador. I love El Salvador. It's got one of the best surf spots in the world and beautiful people, great food, the world's greatest coffee. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm hoping that they come out of this intact because I feel like, you know, we look at these things globally. And so it's really important. I say this every week that we pay attention to what's happening globally. I think you, if did you, you haven't mentioned the, the uh, OAN being dropped yet, have you? Oh, I missed that part. Because My I just want to say that Jim is the first one. No, no, no. I mentioned OAN. Yeah, OAN got dropped by DirecTV. Because I just want to say that Jim is the first one who uh, mentioned to me when I first met him that networks like that are essentially Russian propaganda networks. And so the fact that, you know, there's going to be some Russian propagandists out of work, um, you know, maybe they'll get picked up by RT or Fox. So, so just briefly, um, the 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 reason why I my whole investigation got got seriously kicked into gear was because of Chanel Rian from OAN showing up in the White House briefing room on an emergency basis in in COVID, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. Trump shoved her into the White House briefing room to have her run an op that I saw in QAnon. So. So, so somebody, so the Russians, and it was the Russians, this was technically, it's a whole article about it. Yeah. Um, it was the Russians who redirected Antifa.com to JoeBiden.com. Wow. And it first showed up in QAnon. Okay. I, I saw it because I was trolling around in there like, what the fuck is going on? And then I see this thing and it actually worked. And I was like, okay, what, what's that about? And then Chanel Rion shows up on my fucking TV in the White House briefing room to say, did you know that Antifa.com goes to JoeBiden.com? Do you think that Joe Biden should, should denounce Antifa? Like, I was just like, holy shit. It's literally a fucking Russian technical op that gets spread in right wing media that ends up in the fucking White House. And then because of that, gets broadcast to Fox, which is where I saw it. Like, wow. So, 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 and, and I saw that and I was like, oh, fuck. It's legit. It really is Russian propaganda. Like, not even, not even yeah, just modeling. Straight it. up. It's actual Russian propaganda. And, and, you know, uh, that one thing, um, bringing up the Russians, is why I'm being attacked right now. <laughs> right. It is. 
I, I laugh the, the first it's so four clear. people, the first four people that I DM'd about this are four of the biggest validators to the attack on me right now. And the reason is because I had the temerity to say, hey, dude, this is fucking Russian. You know, you guys are like, should yeah. we talk about the Russians? And they yeah. were like, you're crazy. And then they yeah. started attacking me. Well, there's a beautiful story I did with Dave Troy that shows those links. So if you want to see the links between the Kremlin operatives and the far right operatives, go look up that article with Heidi, Dave, and Byline. Um, Sean, uh, uh, is Craig already here? If not, I put his cell phone number in, in our... In oh, our we've got account. one more story. I know, no, I know. I'm just making okay. sure that uh, I just want to see if, if, if Craig yeah, is he's, not... He's, he's on deck. Yep. Okay, great. So we're going to do one more story. Then Jim's going to talk a bit about his uh, little bit about trauma, essentially. But just hit that one story in 30 seconds, and then let's get to Jim's hellscape. Okay, uh, the story I want to talk about is OMG, OIG. And what is this about? This is about a uh, an employee of the Department of Homeland Security Office of Inspector General yes. guilty this week. Yes. Uh, to stealing case management software and sensitive databases from the Department of Homeland Security. Why is this important? Because as Craig Unger goes into his book, there's a whole thing about promise and ins law uh, with case management software being stolen uh, from this company, ins law. There are dead bodies around it, uh, specifically a guy named Danny Casalaro. Yeah. Um, and it's important to understand if our own government cannot keep their databases safe and secure, if they cannot keep their own software safe and secure, how are we supposed to trust all these vendors that we now share our private lives with? Right. We, uh, we, do, yeah. we don't trust them. And it was dumb to put everything online and the private life is dead. And we need to um, do something about that, which is uh, going to be another battle after we get through November of 2022. Hi-Fi, thank you so much for a brilliant news block. Um, I, it's always so insightful and so relevant to the work that we do. I'd like to get directly into Jim's hellscape before we bring on Mr. Unga. Jim Stewartson's hellscape. Oh, fuck. All right. Oh, we oh, lost fuck. our oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, All right, friend. So I, I, I don't really have this scripted out uh, at all, um, but I wanted to talk about trauma and why people attack um, others um, and, you know, just a couple of the things that they do. So all cults, all uh, groups that are trying to create undue influence in others, right, whether it's a small group or a big one, uses trauma to try and influence them, right? Um, in, in QAnon and some of these other things, they use these, these horrible uh, traumatic videos in order to induce um, this effect. But you can also do it by creating conflict, creating chaos, um, uh, infiltrating you know, people and having other people that they trust turn against them. All of those things are incredibly traumatic, right? Like, you know, uh, just to say it, I've had a, uh, a few friends that I really trusted, like, like seriously trusted, um, are, are now out there, like, hanging around this 
this insane group of psychos who um, are attacking me all day long. And they're out there participating. It's the fucking weirdest thing until I started to understand it. There's a thing called trauma bonding, right? Where you you get somebody in a in a kind of a close knit group, you get them trusting with each other, and then you then something like crazy happens. Oh, somebody needs to be rescued. Something you you know, there's a there's a fight. You know, a quick go get it. Oh, there's you know some whatever. Make it make it up. I could name a few of these, but I won't. Um, and and everybody runs around and it's fucking crazy and then oh my god finally our family comes back together and and now we're one big happy family and then um you know exactly what chris was saying before i think it was chris um they will then they will then take the that opportunity to start poisoning the people that they want to attack that they want to take you away from that they want to um you know impugn and they will do this over time repeatedly over and over again so it's it's coercive um you know cult behavior frankly and it gets people into a into a state where they believe shit that they would never normally believe like i'm telling you like these people like uh have no reason whatsoever to have turned on me like that and they're doing it out of nowhere and i don't believe it's because they're bad people i think it's because they had these 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 terrible traumatic techniques used on them um i've i've had all of these techniques used on me all of them um infiltrating my friends turning my friends fucking attacking my volunteer group in a way that like still astounds me Um, and, and it's all designed to cause trauma, to take, to, to make people like me not want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, you you guys haven't met me yet then because I ain't (laughs) stopped. We're stubborn as shit. But but there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people who are not as stubborn as me, like all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And and they start getting attacked and they'll just stop. Or they'll change well, also, their Also, people have taken their own lives. I mean, so to me, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about mean girls on steroids. I'm reflecting back to seventh grade when I was ganged up on. And if I'm still thinking about it in my 50s, and clearly it was traumatic. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's mean girls on steroids in a way. Of course, there's the, uh, you know, <laughs> the fact that Russia is attacking our country and that there are people who are on the payroll of the you know, of the people that we spotlight in this show. um, So they're not authentic. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, hybrid warfare is hybrid. It it is. And they've also, you know, I mean, they've they've done all all those other things, including like sending cops to my house, the whole thing, like all all of those things have been done to me over the last 18 months. Um, Most of them not from the right wing right think i just that. i just want to say like think, think, I'm, of, think about that like the like 95 percent of the attacks on me have not been from the obvious yeah. fascists yeah it's been from from behind my back from you know somewhere i did not originally expect well our, our support which base is the would point. nominally go left so they're yeah. attacking our support base of the people who would yeah. listen to what we're saying 
Right. Well, so yeah. I just know yeah. this. I just know if I sold a, 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 a security company that had a 900 million IPO, I would not be out in the street fighting fascists. I would be like getting people financing to be people like our show to hit a wider audience. I, I want to say yeah. one thing. Um, I'm sorry for their trauma and those who are caught up, just like I'm sorry for the people caught up on in QAnon. I'm sorry for the churchy people whose minds have been fucked. I'm sorry for the members of our military whose minds have been fucked. Uh, but I'm truly sorry for you, Jim, and for the people who've been targeted because the psychological battery is real. And even if we are strong and we will continue to do this work, it is still uh, a painful thing. So I, yeah, I'm very... I'm not going to give them any any ammunition right now. At some point, I will talk about you know the the sorts of effects that it has on people. Yeah. You know, very deep, difficult. Like, um, you know, you are you are intentionally causing P PTSD. That's what these yeah. people are doing. They want That's to right. make it. Like, I can't look at this shit. If it, like, it makes my anxiety, like, rocket. Just to even right. look at it. Like, writing yeah. those articles, like, I, it, even though I sound, like, all, you know, uppity, it's fucking hard. <laughs> I don't want to look at that shit. It's yeah. fucking lies. Why would I want to look at that, right? Well, um, I'm proud of you, you know? because so. you continue to do the work, and that, to me, is a real testament to your character. Um, but I will say, as as hi-fi has shown me many incidences of there are people who will commit suicide over this kind of stuff so those people who think that they're just sort of you know in with the kind of you know cool gang stalking crew who want to go after people you know what you're probably opening yourself up to uh you know some legal issues so i wouldn't have so much joie de vrai and i wouldn't be announcing on uh you know twitter oh my god operation successful jim's band what's next you know what by the way people who do that can stay the fuck out of my dms okay because um you know you are revealing who you really are and what you really are about and again if you're not getting paid then maybe you're just um you know, uh, misguided. Uh, a nice well, word. they could be compromised as well. I can well, think of okay, at least one so or what? two who are. So what? So what? Man up. You're an adult now. You know, man up or whatever it is that you do when you're a woman. You know, confront it. You know, take on your abusers. Have some courage, the way some of the women do who are going after Trump and Epstein. And speaking of which, what better segue? to get into Craig, uh, Craig Unger's interview, an American compromat, than with an Epstein-Trump sketchy-ass, you know, sexual, uh, you know, lawsuit reference. Um, Compromise. Nothing funny about that. Hey, Sean, is Craig there? Because we'd sure love to, oh my God, there he is. There he is, oh, Mr. Man. Unger. I still can't believe doing? it. Good to see you guys. Hi, Harvey. I just, I, I wanted to warn you, and I don't know, Sean can boost his volume. I've got my janky phone that I'm working off of, but um, I just wanted to warn you that you're with uh, two gentlemen who just think you are like so metal, like you are such a hero. All our guests are amazing, but like Jim has just been like, Craig Unger's really coming on, Craig Unger's really coming on. And with that, I will just let Jim and you like have a moment. Well, thank you, that's very flattering. Uh you know what can i say but nice to meet you guys yeah yeah they're, they're, they're just 
the there aren't people who have the actual courage to say what it actually is right to you know who who will take the obvious you know connections here and and put them together in a way that tells the real story which is of of a huge um you know kgb basically infiltration of the united states over decades and trump is just one small symptom and i think it, it from for me seeing what's happening now it's it's just the natural evolution of that and so you know your work and you know sarah ken's years and some other people who who have that vision um you know has meant everything to me in order you know trying to sort this out so just thank you for that well thank you very much i you know one of, as you were talking one of the things about all that corruption is uh, what's amazing is how much of it is perfectly legal. And, That's right. uh, and uh, an old journalist friend of mine, I have to give him credit for saying the, the phrase, the real scandal is what is legal. And you see it again and again with Trump and the Russians. So there, you can do very sophisticated uh, intelligence operations that operate completely within the law. And that happened again and again with Trump, and I think one of the great, great failures of the Mueller investigation is that it just left all the counterintelligence stuff aside. Um, and uh, there it was, and a lot of it was done in ways that work within the parameters of the law, so they just left it aside. Yeah, I think, and, and I, I think that's, again, such an important point. It's not, and not not just about that but about things like like starting a cult <laughs> like you shouldn't be able to do that you shouldn't be able to you know like like create a a you know a radicalized fascist cult and have that be perfectly you know allowable um that we need we need a whole new set of sort of laws not only around you know our national security and intelligence but around the psychological warfare components of, of this whole thing that we have no defense for at all. And in fact, enable, um, so, you know. So I wanna ask a quick question. Sean, is my audio okay? Do, do I have to hit any buttons? Cause I dumped out. I'm cool. You guys can hear me all right. Yeah, um, so uh, one of the brilliant things I love Howard, you realize our producer, you know, has COVID and he's still here. He's so amazing. Um, one of the things I really love about American Compromat is that you really break things up into very three, very clean sections. You show Trump and all of the Russian ties and the handlers and what you can really evidence, you know, uh, happened to him and, um, and, and how and which ways he may have either been compromised or a useful idiot or however it occurred. Then you get to the Praetorian Guard and you show the religious zealots who've been remapping our judiciary, which I think is a very incredible uh, component of that. And then the third part of it is you show the greed and the sexual predilections of the people in Trump and Epstein and uh, you know Maxwell's orbit. And that I think is an essential framework to understand what our country has endured in recent years and what we are still battling right now. And if you can speak on that for our audience, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Money, sex, and power. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what, what more is there? 
Um, no, I, I think it's, uh, it's very scary what's happening now. I mean, it's just really extraordinary. And I, I um, part of it is, I mean, what was frustrating to me about the book is I ended it um, saying that there's, um, there's a train wreck coming. Uh, and I didn't know the specifics. I, I finished it in November. So I didn't know the specifics of what would happen with January 6th. But even that, we can say, I think, pretty safely, is that is just the beginning. And, and I, what I'm trying to do now is really to drop back and look at what's been going on with a sense of history and where, because I, I think you have to look back in order to understand what's going to happen uh, going yeah. forward. And increasingly, what I start to see, the Republican Party is almost, it's really the Confederacy 2.0. It really is oh, in a lot of ways. Fantastic. Yes. And, and right. uh, you know, it, it's sort of a truism every time you look at the electoral map, the red state, blue states, you look at the red states and you say, gee, that looks an awful lot like Confederate States of America. And it's true. And I, I, I think you, you also see that right now we're at a point where at least well, over 70 million people voted for him. A huge portion of them believe the big lie, uh, yeah. which means you have tens and tens of millions of people who are living in an alternative reality with a different set of facts, and they believe them, and they're, they're fiction. Yes. And to me, I guess I find that sort of uh, mind-boggling, and I, and I wanted to try to drill down on that a bit and try to figure it out. I think you're going to have to go to the back to the Confederacy, and when you see poor white trash then who are cannon fodder giving their lives so that rich white people could have slaves. I mean, what, how, how crazy do you have to be for that, to be in favor of that? And, and, I, I, and I think there is a lot to, that ties all that together. I love how you delved into the history and I love how you show where the infection came from when it was led into this country by people who got out of Russia and then had to make some deal with the KGB that they would, you know, rat people out or, you know, be informants. So that was very critical. But what I really love is that you really know Manafort and you really know Stone and you really know Giuliani. And I think that we can't really assess Trump Russia when we don't take a really good look at those characters as well. And I would love like your bullets on each of those guys. Right, well, I, you gotta love, uh, uh, interviewing Roger Stone is always a blast and it gives a little insight to um, how he can be so effective and such a sleazy, uh, oily snake oil salesman. He's the guy who would, uh, during a campaign, uh, after the debate, will say, "Well, who needs to be stunt, spun? Come on, on. <laughs> you know." He, he's very upfront about it. He can be uh, tell all these outlandish sex stories you don't know whether to believe or not. But the important thing to, is that he he uh, he and Manafort go back with Trump more than forty years to 1980. And uh, Black Manafort and Stone was one of their agencies. They operated under several different. Uh, names, but they uh, met Donald Trump through Roy Cohn. And you can never uh, overstate how important Roy Cohn is to all of this. I mean, yes. if you're talking about fascism, he was the ultimate fixer. 
Uh, he knew his way around. He, he was the Prince of Darkness uh, in New York. I, I, I'm, I, I, one of my badges of honor is in the early 80s, he called me up. I was an editor at New York Magazine, and we were exposing of the money laundering at Studio 54. We, uh, this was a story that put uh, the owners, Steve Rubellini and Schrager, in jail. And their lawyer was Roy Cohn, and he called me up and yelled at me, called me every kind of motherfucking thing you can imagine, and said he was going to come after me. And uh, when the call was over, I told uh, the editor-in-chief, uh, we ran the story, they went to jail, nothing happened. That was it. Um, but he is part of that. And, and Roger Stone, he, he was Trump's first fixer. He died in 1986. But Roger Stone and Manafort came from the same cloth. And they were known as um, uh, their their lobbying company was known as the Torturers Lobby. Now, yes. when I got out of college forty years ago, I remember being shocked at these highly paid lawyers who would essentially uh, be carrying water for big pharma or big yeah. oil or whatever. And but that's the way Washington worked. Well, uh, Manafort and Stone took it a, a level further. And they went, uh, took on as clients every uh, uh, every dictator you can imagine. And they got big money out of it. And uh, yeah. in the end, Manafort got the biggest dictator of them all, uh, Vladimir Putin. And Putin put him in charge of Ukraine. He was, he, yeah. he, I mean, th that he has not been prosecuted for uh, as an intelligence agent is just remarkable. He got something like $75 million from Putin yeah. and the Russians. He was uh, carrying out operations that were uh, completely in opposition to American interest and completely aligned with Putin's. He um, used every trick in the book to get Yanukovych uh, elected as Putin's puppet. And uh, if you did, has anyone read the uh, the famous text messages between his two daughters? Or I mean, yes. they are just extraordinary. But at one point, one of them says to the other, you know, daddy has blood on his hands and yeah. saying that he was responsible. Uh, yeah. he, that money has blood on it, uh, yeah. on his hands. Um, to, 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 uh, go on. Don't hear me. I'm getting calls and my pager is blowing up. Can you guys still hear me okay? Yeah? Can you yeah. hear me? Two things I want to say that are bone chilling to me about what you just said. Well, one of them's not so much, but... One of the real lessons from your book and from your legacy and your work is simply that what is so fucked in America is what's legal. You don't have to bribe a politician. You just need a K Street lobbyist. And I learned that from you. If you're an oligarch with some cash and you want to get a... One of my best sources on this was an American businessman who was doing business in the early 90s. Uh, or it was, a, yeah, the very early 90s in uh, Moscow. Uh, and then it was just the wild, wild west. And uh, he was representing, working with Russians who wanted uh, something from Tom DeLay, who was then Speaker of the House. So the guy just wanted to give him a flat million dollar bribe. <laughs> and my sister said, no, 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 no. Go to K Street <laughs> and then put him in touch with one of the big lobbyists. And and the, the, the Russian monster came back to, oh, 
you legalized bribery. How wonderful. You know, the, the, it, it was really the same. You just put money in it. Political action, a super PAC, a political action committee. You give them a million dollars, they'll figure out a way of getting that to it one way or another. And, and you see that happening uh, again and again. Uh, one of my favorite episodes in the book, and it, it shows how political operations really can work like this, is uh, Donald Trump Jr. gave a speech in Paris in October of 2016, a month before the presidential election. He was paid fifty to $100,000. All of that's perfectly legal. Um, even though the French think tank was really a front for Russian intelligence. And That's even right. though he was being given the talking points of this is what Vladimir Putin wants your father to do when he becomes president. This is what we, the Russians want him to do in the Middle East. And sure enough, a year later, um, Trump uh, takes forces out of Syria exactly as Putin wants. So you see an awful lot of that happening again and again. And, and that's one yeah. thing I keep doing. So just on that note, before Jim and uh, Hi-Fi chime in, uh, I've looked at every single one of the dictators in the torturers lobby that Manafort and Stone have worked with, and they've all met terrible endings, right? They've all been disgraced. They had to flee to Moscow. They had dictator heart attacks, you know, they lost everything. They were under house arrest till they died. And I've been reassuring people throughout the last five years that the, if you look at Paul Manafort's history of who he's worked with, it's, it's, it's not gonna have a happy ending for Donald fucking Trump, okay? It may look like it's okay. And we do have this horrible war that we're still involved in and how he can still give propaganda speeches, I don't understand. But it's not gonna have a happy ending for this guy if you look at Manafort's clients and you draw that map. Well, I hope you're right. I, I, you know, there was an interesting column uh, this week uh, by uh, Marcy Wheeler, Empty Wheel, a lawyer who's a lawyer in Washington. And it was the first uh, optimistic thing I'd read in terms of the feds really prosecuting the higher ups uh, for, for January 6th. And it, she, she had good information that suggested uh, Rudy Giuliani, Roger Stone, Alex Jones, uh, um, uh, the woman lawyer Trump has. Why am I blanking? Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell, and a couple of others uh, that that uh, the justice that Merrick Garland really is going after them, and we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, getting inside a grand jury is something. I yeah. Too. So so I wanted to speaking of going after the people at the top. Um, I wanted to ask you um, about uh, Lieutenant General retired Michael T. Flynn, um, who, in my opinion, is um, uh, the worst traitor in American history, um, just because of the level of, of treason and aggressive actions that he has taken to harm America. Um, he, Flynn um, is, is the guy who directed Pizzagate, uh, directed a bunch of the ops that basically flipped the, the 2016 election. And he's been 
you know, for the last five years, um, especially after he got Sidney Powell and got out from under the Justice Department, um, you know, has been going crazy, uh, creating this enormous fascist cult. He tried to take steal the 2020 election uh, and uh, and help direct the insurrection. Um, and now he's out there, has been a year continuing to build this cult going out to all these rallies, collecting all of these people, brainwashing them over and over and over again. Anyway, um, I'm just curious, you know, because obviously uh, there are connections with Manafort, obviously connections with Stone um, and others. Um, what about Flynn? And then I also want to get to uh, Eric Prince and, and Steve Bannon because I think they're important elements here too. Right. No, they're all important. It's just, uh, you know what, the honest truth is there's just too damn many of them for me to focus on all of them. And I sort of know, obviously, about Flynn, what's been out there. But I, I haven't been as, as, uh, as fixated on, being, on doing such a deep dive on him. Uh, partly because it's just where my books take me. I'm, uh, uh, f you know, following one narrative thread after another. And at a certain point, you... <laughs> There's just too much in this. Uh, I've yeah, there really that. is. Yeah, but yeah. Flynn is a, he's a slippery is one. That that's that's the problem. Is he's a he's a you know he's a psyops expert. He he ran the DIA. He knows how to he knows how to do stuff. And so, um, you know, it's it's you know it's been challenging to to sort of figure out how all these things connect with him. Um, uh, how, what about Eric Prince? Has that guy come up? Uh, did that, you know, what's his, because uh, he obviously, you know, uh, Prince, Bannon, Flynn, you know, they Nader, they were all in the White House in 2016, you know, conspiring with each other. Right. I, I mean, again, I, I, you know, I know sort of what's been out there, but I don't have anything special. I, it's not like I've covered them in great, great depth the way I have uh, other yeah. people. Um He's a, he's, so one of the things that we were talking about earlier is Opus Dei, right? Um, so Eric Prince, uh, you know, comes from a dominionist evangelical family, but for some reason in, in 1992 converted to Catholicism and immediately became a Knight of Malta, um, which is, you know, basically a sort of, you know, ugly sister organization to Opus Dei which is still executing the, the crusades. Um, so that part, part of the reason why I think Eric Prince is interesting is because he ties into this whole sort of theocratic fascist dominionist, um, you know, wave that's been taking over. Right. I mean, to me, the, the great importance of Opus Day was the way they've uh, really uh, done this powerful operation to take over the judiciary. It's just been extraordinary. And if you look at the power of someone like uh, Leonard Leo, who is close to Opus Dei, but also obviously there was um, uh, William Barr and uh, so, so many others. Uh, and uh, it's it's very weird. I, I mean, Barr's chief speechwriter, who I did interview, um, was in a, a Father John Paul Woke, who uh, was a Harvard graduate. He was. Uh, chief speechwriter for Barr uh, when Barr was attorney general the first time under Bush Sr. And it happened that his brother-in-law was uh, the great 
Hearts by um, uh, Robert, uh, uh, how can I blank on his name? Hanson, Robert Hanson. Robert Hanson, yes. Um, so, I mean, you, you have this very weird uh, coming together of an, an uh, incredible group of people. Well, look, there's, I mean, I don't have anything against Catholics, but we have six of them on the Supreme Court, which seems weird to me. Like, And five of them are, you know, the most extreme version. Um, you know, and and they were also basically all walked on, walked into the into the court by, um, you know, by Leonard Leo, who was on the board of the Catholic Information Center, which was Opus Dei's K Street, you know, lobbying shop. Right. Um, which, by the way, um, also connects uh, to uh, Peter Thiel uh, through the guy who ran Opus Dei and ran the Catholic Information Center for, for a long time. Um, that guy was the, the, um, uh, a lifelong friend of Peter Thiel who, you know, uh, anyone who's, ever, who's followed me knows that uh, that's another guy that I think is, is highly responsible for a lot of this well, and has allied with people like Putin. Well, I will say about Craig's legacy, because so many of the characters that we're talking about are people who are involved in this particular aspect of the war that we are dealing with now, the influence war in the last few years. But what's so useful about Craig's legacy is he shows the 40, 50 year big picture GOP plan and how they have led us to this precipice. And maybe you can talk on that a little bit, Craig. Right, I, you know, I, I, it, it, it's sort of easier to see in retrospect, but I guess about 20 years ago, if I'd started out and saying, I wanna do a five books on the Republican party's war against democracy, uh, I suspect I wouldn't have gotten the five book contract anywhere. Uh, but one at a time, effectively, that's what I've been doing from the uh, starting with House of Bush, House of Saud, the fall of the House of Bush, Boss Rove, uh, and, and, and so forth. And what you see is again and again and again, and I, I, I'm going to continue in this vein with yet another book, but that, um, I, you know, I think Trump is a great anomaly in the sense that he's so spectacularly vulgar. His narcissism is just off the charts in terms of what's normal. But in fact, the Republican Party has uh, had all this kind of, uh, been doing this war against democracy for quite some time. And if you go back to uh, 1968, 1980, again and again, you will see uh, Republican Party meeting with um, uh, foreign powers to interfere with American foreign policy in order to sabotage an election. That happened in 1968 with Nixon. Uh, he, I, it, it's not well known, but now it's very well documented. And I've actually listened to the tapes online because they, they were all part of, of Lyndon Johnson's archives. But uh, yes. uh, Nixon made a deal with Anna Chenault, who was a Republican operative. Uh, Lyndon Johnson at the time was doing the Vietnam peace talks and uh, uh, Nixon got Anna Chenault to uh, sabotage them and to get the South Vietnamese yep. to withdraw at the very last minute. And sure enough, that turned the election to Nixon's favor. Uh, yep. You can see it yep. again in 1980 with the October surprise, which I'll be writing about. 
Uh, you see it again right. uh, in 2000. There was Bush v. Gore. In 1972, of course, there was Watergate. Um, that was not. Yeah. That was purely domestic. Uh, in 2000, you would push v. v. Gore, and even in 04, the entire election, uh, uh, the outcome depended on one state, Ohio. And there was yeah. so much scenery going on in Ohio, and I document that in my book, Boss uh, Road. So this has been happening again and again and again. And I think it's time we woke up and said, uh, <laughs> they're not playing by the rules, you know? Yes, so I have, and you I have, also... Go please. ahead, Heidi. No, 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 you please, high five. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. I got two names I want to ask you about. And the first one is, you said you were talking about the October surprise in Reagan. Did the name Jack Singlob pop up with regards to Iran-Contra and uh, the Iranian hostage situation, things like that? You know, I know the name, and, but I, I, and I think he's a, is he an arms dealer? Uh, or what's no, he, arms he, was, dealer? he was the founder of the CIA. He was he was uh, head of the OSS and a founder of the the CIA uh, way back. He's he's now a hundred years old, literally still alive. He's still with us on, on yeah. Mike Flynn's board of directors. Yeah, and, he, and he's pushing QAnon now. So I just it seems yeah. like a an interesting road. Thank you. Well, that that's something I may follow up on. Yeah, Jackson yes, Love's a good one. Here's, a, here's another here's another name for you that I I personally am very very interested in. Have you ever heard the name Sergey Grishin? Has that name no. come up for you at all? Grishin, G-R-I-S-H-I-N, <laughs> Sergey Grishin. Here's, here's why Sergey Grishin is interesting to me. I found a video of him on YouTube. He submitted a video to Donald Trump admitting that he stole $60 billion from the State Bank of Russia, right? And then he goes to Silicon Valley, sets up with an Israeli named Dovi Francis, and also works with an American named Joseph Lonsdale, who, amongst other things, was accused of sexual impropriety in court, uh, but is also a good friend of Peter Thiel's, and they started Palantir. And I noticed in your book, American Compromat, you talked about Promise and Inslaw. It seems to me, if you look at Promise Inslaw, you look at the Cokes doing Themis, and then you look at Peter Thiel doing Palantir, they all kind of seem related. And the fact that there's this Russian thief in the mix freaks me out a little bit. That's just me, though. <laughs> well, it, it's also no. just full disclosure, the same Russian thief he speaks of knocked Hi-Fi off of Twitter when he started exposing the transnational mob behind the <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse fundraiser and Give, Send, Go, which will be an embarrassment of riches for you when you start looking into that. So those are, uh, those are, those are names on, on my guy's radar because they have been following the money of the, you know, recent, uh, you know, mockery that we're enduring. Yes. Right. The, I mean, the interesting thing about promise and linking it to Trump, to me, is through uh, Maxwell and through, through yeah. the father, Robert Maxwell. And, right. Yeah. And one is he was quite close to the KGB back then. He really was very, very close. But two is uh, uh, this Israeli sort of renegade Israeli agent, Ari Ben-Manashi, who, who I've interviewed at length, uh, 
uh, worked with Maxwell, and he was saying that Maxwell was selling uh, the Promise software and all that. And uh, it, it had been stolen uh, from Inslaw, the, the company they created. They, they leased it to the Justice Department, then it was stolen, and they've been suing for it for, I don't know, 30 years or so. Yeah, um, yeah a long time. So, so, so with a few minutes we have left here, I have, I have an I, I got one, one follow up on that. I got one. Uh, okay, let me let me ask Real mine, fast. and you ask yours. Right. Um, oh, you have a follow up now. You want to ask it now? Well, it has to do with Epstein, the billionaire dinners at Edge Foundation, Yuri Milner, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, how much how much Russian investment do you see in Silicon Valley, specifically in social media? Mm. All right, I can't uh, drill down that far, but I think there's a huge number of Russians involved in Silicon Valley, and it's very dangerous. Yeah. And I, you know, I had long, long talks with uh, Yuri Schwitz about this, who, who was KGB yeah. major and was my source. And they're everywhere, and you see it a lot. Uh, you saw it a lot in the Epstein operation, and not enough people, to me, have picked up on all of this because uh, yeah. one of the women, uh, this woman who was Epstein's publicist, Masha Krakova was when she was in Russia, she was the head of Nazi, which is, was sort of uh, the Putin equivalent of Hitler Youth. And she was very, there's yeah. a movie called Putin's Kiss and it's starring her because she was the recipient of Putin's Kiss. And she ends up as Epstein's publicist and she's a big uh, uh, angel investor in, in Silicon Valley now. Uh, and there were other people in the in the Epstein operation who were also powerful. Um, uh, one was uh, Lana Svetlana, uh, who um, uh, ended up putting together some money, and and uh, it was Epstein money that she funneled into Harvard and MIT in, in the tech world yes. for him to use his influence. So I, you know, and, and I think he was a good. Uh, vehicle through which Russia could get into our tech sector. Yes, thank you so much for that high fine. Thank you for that, Craig. I often think about the Vexelberg money at MIT and everything that you're just talking about is um, is the reality that we're living through right now. So thank you. I want to just take a quick look at how you were heavily involved in New York media when when Trump's rise was occurring. And I just want you to tell our viewers something about why and how the ball got dropped on accountability for Trump from your very special perspective of having been there watching kind of the cheesy tawdriness right. of it in fact. Right. I, well, I was first at New York Magazine and then Vanity Fair, and we saw a lot of Trump in both places. And I... I couldn't stand it. I hated the way it was being covered. I mean, I mean, the the um, New York Magazine, well, both magazines really had a way about writing about the rich that may have seemed critical, but uh, most of them, especially Donald Trump, loved it. He loved the way he was being covered. He just wanted all the headlines and all that. Uh, and I mean, it, the the. I mean, it's sort of obvious because Tony Schwartz was writing about him for New York Magazine. And got a huge advance to co-write, to ghostwrite uh, the art of the deal, from which he made a huge right. amounts of money. So you were not—he was yeah. not—he was Trump's ally. Let's be honest, okay. And from yeah. my point of view, Trump was he created this, a fictional character. 
Yeah, and he was some kind of silly, vulgar, real, greedy real estate developer, playboy, latter day incarnation of Hugh Hefner, and all that. And the gossip columnist ate it up, and he he knew how to manipulate that very, very well. Um, you know, I knew some of the gossip columnists; they loved it, getting calls from him. Uh, but it, it was just a you know, you know that, that's one thing I think people don't understand about reporters is um, a lot of reporters are just whores. I mean, you, you get a good story. If Donald Trump calls you, I'm going to type it up and run with it, and I got a front-page story. It's as simple as that. I mean, it really is, and it means you're a star if Donald Trump is calling you. Um, it also, to me, it means you're carrying water for him. You know, there used yeah. to be a... Uh, a wonderful uh, website called uh, Media Whores Online. And its focus, this was its focus. Uh, uh, and, and it's true, you don't, I think people aren't aware unless you're a reporter yourself, um, your source is more important to your income, your bottom line, than whether you're getting your money from Vanity Fair or the New York Times or whomever. Because uh, if you're plugged in with Donald Trump, you're going to be uh, rich. I'm not plugged in with Donald yes. Trump. <laughs> well, I am so grateful for the work that you do and the work of Wayne Barrett and the work of the people who, you know, are still out there. This team, for example, which is trying very hard to, you know, always follow the money and expose what we can. Um, but, you know, if we had had more of a jaundiced eye and, 2015, 2016, you know, there might have still been a chance of him not. I mean, that was Putin's big coup. So two things really quick. You had a great line in the Byline Times interview that you did with me where you basically spelled out, you know, people are still having a difficult time wrapping their head around the fact that a Russian asset was in the White House. That's part one. Part two, you said, if we do not see this guy prosecuted, uh, we are situation normal, all fucked up, possibly in perpetuity. Can you kind of jar the casual viewer uh, toward reality? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons I said it called the Republican Party the Confederacy 2.0, because we didn't, you know, there, there's a really interesting book out there called uh, Learning from the Germans by a woman named Susan Neiman, and she's an uh, American Jewish living in Berlin. And having been to Germany myself, it's, it, it's true. Germany accepts responsibility for its crimes. It says, here are our concentration camps. We committed genocide. We committed these atrocities. And the former president of Germany said, if you truly love Germany, you can only love it with a broken heart. America does not acknowledge reality. We say simultaneously all men are created equal. We got some slaves over here. Um, and the Civil War did not end that. It seemed to end it, but the Confederacy was not crushed, not in the way Hitler was really crushed. Um, Nazism was crushed. Germany was defeated. The Confederacy- yeah, they let them keep their flag around forever, right? Well, they, they, well five days later, five, in, days later they, five days later, they assassinated uh, Lincoln. So Reconstruction yeah. was undermined and yes, the, the flag on all, in Mississippi and all those other states, can you imagine in Germany seeing Nazi swastikas everywhere? No. no um, I, I believe slavery should be treated like 
the Holocaust. I mean, it was a crime against humanity. I and agree. it has to be crushed, and it has not been crushed. And through my lifetime, I, I, I realized, um, uh, I, you know, when I was 13, my father took me to Germany. I went to Dachau and saw the concentration camps. I came back to a Texas history trip. So they took us to the Alamo and we cheered for Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett was a slave owner. The Alamo was, um, Texas was then a Mexican state. Mexico had just abolished slavery. The fight for the Alamo, defending the Alamo was defending slavery. But I didn't know that. I had my little Davy Crockett t-shirt. America has been brainwashed along that lines and we've not accepted reality. And when I say Trump has to be convicted, that's what I mean. That is it one measure of accepting that reality yeah we can't wow thank you an ex an exceptional country right would not put donald trump in the presidency <laughs> you know right. the the myth of uh, that that we're somehow different from everyone and that you know we've never did, done anything wrong i totally agree with you is not it's not anti-patriotic to say that we have fucked up and that we have hurt millions of people and that we have, you know, done horrible atrocities. It's, it's, it is the, the core of humanity and empathy to, to acknowledge your mistakes. And I, I feel like our country is, yeah. is, is not an empathetic country right now. Um, I forgot who said this, but the, the quote is something about uh, the populace gets the politicians they deserve. You know, I didn't ask for this, man. <laughs> well, I think I think what's beautiful about Craig's work and his legacy, and particularly, um, you know, just American compromise, just very fresh on my mind, is that with with incredibly, you know, um, detailed documentation, you show what happened to Trump and how this fake rich guy was propped up and how his apartments were owned through shell companies by Russian mobsters and who likely his handler was and where he bought his electronics. Uh, you know, incredible documentation. So, so I, I challenge anybody who still believes that this Russia thing is a myth Pick up Craig Unger's book, listen to it on Audible if it's difficult for you to read many pages. Give it a listen and then report back because that is the precipice we're at. We're at. And the final thing that I'd like to get from you, if the gentlemen don't mind, is what is your forecast for 2022 as we go toward November? And what can we do to try to ensure that our democracy sees the you know, sees itself through, through the end of this year and onward? Well, I think it's very scary. And I, I, I mean, I can't make predictions about electoral results, except I, I, I think Trump is obviously going to at least try to run. In, and, and I think, I mean, that's an, uh, yet another reason why it's so important to prosecute him and, and discredit him and have, have all the, those people should be in jail. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think it, 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 it's pretty clear by now that January 6th was a, a tryout. It was a, a dry run. It was a way of, of seeing where are the weak points. And what we see, I think, is that people like Brian Raffensperger, the Secretary of State in Georgia, 
and Mike Pence did not bow to Trump. And they're, but the Trumpers are gonna make sure those guys are not there next time around. Yeah. And this is very, very difficult because uh, I don't have any clout in Georgia <laughs> in determining who the Secretary of State of Georgia is or similar jobs all around the country. But you can be bet in those swing states, the Russians are going to be gunning uh, for those positions. These are positions that most of us regard as merely ministerial in the sense that uh, Mike Pence was merely supposed to add up the electoral votes. He wasn't supposed to say, well, I don't like uh, Arizona's or whatever. And they're going to yeah. politicize and weaponize each of those uh, um, local ministerial positions and put in their own people. And, uh, yeah. you know, this is one thing uh, I, I wrote about it when I was writing about Boss Rove, is you, you had to see the way he took over the court system in Texas and Alabama and the state legislatures in those states and other states as well. And it happened in Ohio. And this is uh, these they control the machinery uh, that will uh, resolve the elections. And it's very scary uh, that they're going to be doing that in states. And, uh, I, you know, we have to fight for that. And I, I suspect it's going to go on much long past 2024. But I, I kind of think we have until 2022. Like if yeah. they get the midterms. Yeah. Yeah. We're in trouble. Well, I I thank you so much for all your work and for all your insights. And, uh, you know, I just encourage people to support real investigative journalism by buying these books and reading them. Uh, my son, uh, at the beginning of the year, got off of all of his social media. He's read five books since the beginning of January. He no longer has anxiety. I bring that up because, um, you know, readers to me are interesting people and just a quick footnote here and it's really not a footnote it's kind of the main event hi-fi was knocked off of twitter by a russian gangster and that's real and we have documentation jim has been now uh, banned off twitter three times both of them are very great at putting together the the big picture networks of what's really going on and I find it to be very interesting that um, voices that actually go after telling the truth behind what we're seeing with the Russian and domestic radicalization and interference are being silenced as CNP funded people and organizations are really targeting our, our uh, you know, voting systems. So um, that's the reality of where we're at. Truth tellers being silenced, you know, lots of big money behind, uh, you know, trying to suppress the vote and uh, put people in place uh, in positions of power to sway the vote. And what you already know, Craig, is that lying is the message, right? If you confuse enough people, they're demoralized. They don't know which way to go. And, you know, maybe one final word, since Trump is your area of expertise, uh, in case there might be one person out there who we can get through to who might be a member of the cult. Is there anything that you can say that just one good zinger line about warning about Trump and the pending autocracy? Uh, 
it, it, well, it really is. I, you know, I, I, I'm old enough that I grew up. The, the, my favorite movie in high school was A Man Touring in Canada. But it was regarded as so beyond the pale <laughs> that, that I, I, I found it very, uh, uh, it, it's just mind boggling that you could have a man elected president who is actually recruited and cultivated as a Russian asset. And we have to sort of drill down and understand what that means and realize that we are living in a completely different world where uh, the you know we have this huge defense with trillion dollar defense with missiles and so forth. Man, a few email, uh, a few Twitter feeds and uh, I mean just a few million dollars. They've done spectacular damage, much more so. So yeah, we have to really fight this stuff. A asymmetrical warfare over the internet is what they're doing, right? I mean, thank absolutely. you. Yes. And, and thank you so much for that, Craig, because there was a, a period in 2018 that I wrote about where I was waking up screaming like the Manchurian candidate because of the attacks that were happening on me. And I think that's a great essential framework for the reality TV crowd. Watch a film called The Manchurian Candidate. See if you can draw some parallels. Oh my gosh, Craig Unger, you know, we've had nothing but metal guests. And as Jim would say, you are so metal. Okay, well, thank you. Nice to meet you guys and good to see you, Heidi. Great. Oh, so great Honor to see you as well. Thank you so thank much, you so much. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Show the book one more time. Love this book. Good wow. book. Read the, ooh, look, wow. Ooh, you tell look it like that, you can actually get it. I, I right, just want to point something has, out. Yes, we P, had P, P, tapes. Chris, Chris Vickery and uh, Craig Unger on this show, and I feel very grateful. Um, to, to it's a testament to the work you guys do, and it's a you know testament to uh, you know um, the community that we've built. So thank you, Chris and Brent and Craig, for being here with us today. We really needed that, and now we have. Sean Connor's Digital Descent. I was just looking at your rundown here, Heidi. It's hilarious. You put sex pounding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I what? I no, no, no. Not on, uh, that's a different podcast. Different Ooh. podcast. <laughs> Not this podcast. <laughs> oh. Wrong, wrong <laughs> podcast, folks. Right. Well, uh, I, I guess it kind of. Are we on YouTube or Pornhub? So you know, it's close. Yeah, no, this is, a, this is a little. Cut up, I did of uh, the Putin, uh, uh, or not Putin, Jesus, the uh, Palin, the Palin, uh, Palin. yeah, the Palin, oh, which I always find her fascinating that the Republican Party still like backs her. I mean, didn't she ruin their chances? I mean, she was what Alaska, she was a mayor and then governor for three years uh, and then nothing. She basically screwed that whole thing. I mean, anyway, it's crazy. You gotta bring, old, to bring the old players back, right? Yeah, anyway, all right, yeah, so this is this is my interpretation of that that interview. It amazes me, though, her and other liberals, uh, socialists, even always oh, pound, 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 sex. 
their ability to pound, 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 and sexy. It, um, uh, but uh, yeah, okay, take this issue though with her suggestion of dating and, um, <clears throat> it, um, uh, you know, attraction to someone. <clears throat> Yeah, okay, pound that, pound that, that uh, it, um, uh, who is attracted to who, what people do in their own, the privacy of their own bedrooms. The liberals, not the conservatives, are the one who pound, 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 and sex, and um, obviously that uh, is uh, so necessary in order to sex. There you go. <laughs> You heard it, it is, here folks. Being liberal gets you laid. The freakiest guy I ever knew was a neocon. So, uh, you know, oh. I think Palin might have missed the mark. No, oh, well. All right, guys. That's what I got. I'm going to go get some sleep. Oh, my God. Sean Connor, thank you for You're uh, the best, producing man. this show despite COVID. I, I look you at are... the spike protein coming out of his lower lip. I know oh. it's like a lip piercing, right? It's a... No, you know what's great? You know, you know who's so metal? Sean Connor. I love you guys. Great show. Thank